Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. All right, here we go. I have a variety of things to address here. I've got some emails that I want to read from some individuals who listen to the show. Two in particular, uh, and one of which I actually sent out to Mark Steele, who was a guest on the show back in February, talking everything 5G. And I'll address his email a little bit later when I talk about the jab stuff. It's a very brief email, but I think he's 100% right on his take. In fact, what I emailed him about had to do with essentially my last substack and what the October 4th uh, emergency broadcast system alert is likely to do, certainly from a 5G standpoint, and shooting that message out to everybody's cell phones and radios and what have you. So I'll get into that a little bit later. First, I want to read this right off the top. This is uh, this is an email that I received again from our Michigan Business Insider, and I'm just going to read this because this is really uh, awful. This is very telling as well, and certainly something again. If you live in these particular states, which which I'm going to mention here in this email, and, and she mentions in this email, feel free and email me and see if you're not seeing the exact same thing. So here's what they said. They said, this has nothing to do with me, but it's insane. They said, remember my friend who is the insurance agent? She just explained to me that the state sets the insurance rates when companies add on their profits. So the insurance company doesn't have any control over the rates. All they can control is their markup. Today, she was working on an annual renewals for businesses. She said the first eight she did were from New York. Every single policy increased by exactly 13%. She had never seen anything like this. On the ninth policy, another 13% increase. She thought maybe the database was messed up. She switched to a Georgia policy renewal. First policy she did from Georgia went from $3,000 a month to $16,000 a month. She took all 10 file folders and went to see her boss. He said, this can't be right, quote unquote. He made a bunch of calls. Yes, it is correct. They are indeed skyrocketing business insurance rates. They also discovered insurance for contents, quote unquote. And then they said, I assume this means inventory, went up 3%. So that's 13% plus 3% increase. She doesn't know yet if this is every state or certain states, but she said she will let me know when she is done with Georgia and New York. Then she gets this email from corporate. She told me to not share the uh, the screenshot here, which I won't. But then it says this. It says, what it says is that they are stopping insurance in Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and New York for Hurricane Lee. There is now a complete freeze on the cities shown in the screenshot below. And there it is. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a memo about Hurricane Lee that apparently went out to everybody. And there, there it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. They continued and they said, so she has to reach out to every applicant from those cities and tell them that they are completely effed. She said this means... Everyone who is waiting on a home loan 
anyone who needs car insurance, anyone who recently purchased a business and needs insurance to open, anyone who is waiting on a life insurance or health insurance policy to go through, it's all frozen. These people, as of today, have no way whatsoever to insure anything, even if they applied for the policy prior to now and have been waiting for it to be finalized, unquote. This is incredible. I think this is incredible. Not to mention the 13% increase for a single policy. Why 13%? You may recall in the last episode, I was bringing up a school district here in Ohio whose medical insurance rose by 13.2%. So said the treasurer of the school board. And then, of course, her explanation was, well, this is just the way that the market is right now, unquote. I mean, they're trying to flatline everybody, 100%. Whoever's pulling these strings is trying to flatline everyone. Businesses right down to the straight-up individual. This is nuts. I'm reading more and more posts online on these boards that I follow that are saying, I mean, it's, it, they're so heartbreaking. It's copious amounts of people simply saying, look, I can't make ends meet. I mean, both of us are working in the family, but, you know, married couple, kids, the whole thing. We're having a next to impossible time making ends meet. Everything is increasing. The cost of everything is going up. The percentages clearly are also going up. But uh, this freeze on insurance, this is nuts. This is absolutely nuts. So I wanted to bring that to your attention. Again, if you live in those states, or you have family members there or friends and you know that this is happening, again, feel free and shoot me an email. But this is wild. Okay, here's the next thing. A listener of the show, and thank you for the email, by the way, very kind. Uh, they emailed me and they let me know of this particular film, which I have seen, and it's very well done. You may be familiar with Good Lion Films. Good Lion Films has actually been around for quite some time, dating back. To the Q posts, uh, I want to say 2018, 2019, certainly around there, and they were making these pervy wood videos that had, a, of course, everything to do with Hollywood and pedophilia and everything that's going on there. Um, again, very well done videos, and now they have created a number of other videos, as you would expect, and uh, and they have one out there that is titled "The Greatest Show on Earth." I highly recommend getting on Rumble if you want. And going over to Good Lion Films and giving that giving that video a watch. I'll link it in the description below. It's very well done. It's a nice history lesson regarding President Trump's tour around the world when he was in office, meeting with different leaders, and then what those meetings really meant and the significance of all of that. Um, you know, there's there's one little I would say hiccup toward the end where he's basically implying that Joe Biden is an actor wearing a mask. I have no proof that that's the case. Me personally, I'm not one of I'm I'm not one to believe the mask wearing. I know that it's a real thing. I just don't think that it's that it's him wearing a mask. I think that it really is him. So, anyway, beyond that, the film is fantastic. So, I highly recommend watching it again. It's Good Lion Films on Rumble. I'll link it in the description. And it's titled The Greatest Show on Earth. So give that a watch if you are interested. Okay, here's the next thing. And I'm going to riff on this for a little while because this is one of those things that really bothers me. 
And I know that it bothers a lot of other people uh, for a variety of reasons. And it is a direct, I think, certainly an element that has destroyed not only our country, but our culture. And uh, it spits in the face of our ancestors and a number of other things. And I, I, I guess I want to bring it also up in the same context as Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. You may be familiar with her. Lauren Boebert is an alleged conservative. Of course, there's nothing conservative about her. But she came from just a little background, and then I'll get into, the again, the, the larger societal landscape of this issue. And trust me, I, you know, you're going to want to hang on for this because I know a lot of people out there agree with me on this. Um, Lauren Boebert came from Colorado. And seemingly out of nowhere, she has this restaurant that she co-owns with her husband. And they tout themselves as being strong Second Amendment American patriots. Okay. Certainly an interesting sell line for people who, you know, want to vote for someone like that. And again, why not? To your basic run-of-the-mill Fox News watching individual, that would make complete sense. Where, of course, did they obtain this restaurant? How did they, how did they get it? A lot of questions. But what was interesting, of course, is that it was an open carry restaurant. So she would open carry. And so would, of course, the other waiters and waitresses. They would all open carry. And it made national news and a lot of attention on her. And then, oh, she's running for, she's running for office. Well, that's great. Her and her husband have, I believe, four boys, if memory serves. And again, I'm assuming that Lauren Boebert is in her 30s. I'm not going to look it up, but that's my guess. You may have heard what happened with Lauren Boebert the other day, uh, last week actually, regarding her attendance at a play in Washington, D.C., or Washington. And then, uh, you know, the behavior that she was engaging in when she was there. So my mind right now is bouncing around to a lot of different things, so just bear with me here as I kind of lay this out the best that I can. Lauren Boebert, first of all, was recruited by a talent agency, which is why, again, she ultimately made her way into uh, into politics. This talent agency is called Explore Talent, and they have a number of different individuals who have been recruited by this Explore Talent, or at the very least, these individuals have reached out to explore talent. They, of course, take a picture of themselves. There's a, a profile photo, all the dimensions of the individual, their age, so on and so forth. This explore talent is Jewish owned. And it just so happens that many of these individuals, particularly these individuals that I'm going to mention here in just a second, who are a part of this explore talent agency, or certainly were, are now in the limelight as it seems, and Lauren Boebert is one of them. So, Lauren Boebert, again, was a client for this Explore Talent. So are people like Tommy Laren, who, of course, has shown up on Fox News and is a Fox News contributor and has had her own show on Fox News and won't go away. You know, just again, 
your 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 basic run of the mill conservative Second Amendment. I love America. Second Amendment. That's great. I love it too. But you know these are one trick ponies for the most part. Candace Owens. Candace Owens was another one. So is Marjorie Taylor Greene, if memory serves. I don't have her name here associated with this, but Candace Owens was also. Now, you may remember, again, Candace Owens. She's married to a Jewish man. And uh, she herself, again, was a staunch Democrat, hated white people, would tweet about it a lo- very long time ago that, you know, that whites are racist and blah, blah, blah. Well, then she's a part of this talent agency. She starts to read a little bit more. She recognizes the error of her ways. And wouldn't you know it, she's thrust into the limelight and testifying in front of Congress and writing books and a multimillionaire now. Very interesting. So I'm bringing that up for, for this separate point, which is people have to understand that these people are selected before they're elected. They came from someplace. And again, Having all of these similar ties is rather suspicious, I think, but it is a reality, and this is the way that it is. So I wanted to mention that because now I want to, I really want to get into Lauren Boebert and what this means on a grander scale when it comes to something that I'm just going to refer to as what is a lady and what is a gentleman, and what does that mean? Now, like I said earlier, Lauren Boebert has four children with her now ex-husband, so she's divorced recently. She works in Washington while her family remains in Colorado. At least that's my understanding. I think it's safe to say that that would take a toll on any family. What is also interesting, and it, and it really does bring a number of different questions to bear here, but what has to happen in a person's life to where they prioritize politics over their own husband and their children? Keep in mind, I have no idea what her husband's situation is regarding all of that. My focus when it comes to things like this is, what is society doing to women? And, of course, the impact that society can have on a female and a male. I know that it's both, but I'm honing in specifically on females here for a minute. But the impact that society can have on a female to where, again, politics would be more important than being a wife and a mother. This kind of, again, whether it's feminism or or all those other manufactured lies that were created in boardrooms, what is it that, that leads a woman down that path to where a, basically now her entire family is destroyed? Now again, let's get into the recent events here and then I'll just bring up some other issues sort of along the way. Again, I apologize for being a little scatterbrained on this. There's just so much to talk about. But she, she again, divorced still living in Washington, D.C., and you have to assume that her children just hate her at this point. But she shows up at this play with a guy by the name of, I've got it right here, give me a second, Quinn Gallagher. Now, this guy is a apparently 
a bar owner of a gay bar, allegedly, and the two of them went to a kid's play, which I believe is Beetlejuice, the play. Okay. When this story first came out, a lot of people, again, thought that it was sort of like the Mike Pence was attending the, uh, the Hamilton play. Remember that? When he got into office and then he and his wife were attending Hamilton, I guess, and they stopped the play and the, the people on stage directly addressed Mike Pence and, you know, you got to help us and if you're going to be evil and blah, 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 and all this other shit. When all of that happened, I mean, most people remember that, I think, but at the same time, when, when this Lauren Boebert thing initially came out, that's what people thought too. They were like, oh, they kicked her out because she's a conservative. No. They kicked her out because she was that annoying person who attends a play or a concert and won't and won't shut up and won't look around and be aware as to what she's doing. Now, this is where it gets even more scatterbrained because I can take this in a thousand different directions. But let me focus on the large one of the larger pictures there are many big pictures here but this is just one of them in a war do you think that it's appropriate as a representative of certain of course your state that goes without saying but a, a certain district within your state in washington and during this war this is how you're spending your time on a date with a man who's not your husband because you're divorced, your kids are nowhere to be found. You're in your 30s. You're wearing a short dress that looks like you're on your way to prom at the age of 17. You're vaping, uh, dancing, being obnoxious, probably drunk, and then you end up getting kicked out, and then you end up tossing up middle fingers because you're angry that everybody wasn't as stupid as you. Is that what you do during a war? You see, in one fell swoop, Lauren Boebert just proved that she's dangerous. Now, this is my opinion. I think she's dangerous. She doesn't belong anywhere near a war because she's reckless and unreliable. Now, I've never been in war on an actual battlefield, but I know listeners of this show have. So ask, your, ask yourself that question. Do you want someone who doesn't know their surroundings, who is reckless, and doesn't see what's really happening and understand the bigger picture? Do you want that person around you? Probably not. Because even my grandfather would say, that's the person who's going to get you killed. That kind of reckless behavior and a lack of awareness in war is going to get people killed and get people hurt. Now, there are many reasons for all of this, many of them. And I want to first hone in on the media's response to this, including conservative media. Conservative media isn't even talking about her and the situation the way that I am. I haven't heard anybody bring it up. Gateway Pundit ran cover for her, said, well, she apologized and Blah, blah, blah. Liz Crokin even went so far as to say, and I like Liz, but Liz Crokin even went so far as to say that maybe this was a setup. 
and actually made excuses for Lauren's behavior by saying, well, she's divorced recently, she's vulnerable, and what if it was a setup? The guy's a Democrat, they had the camera right on them. Uh, what if you know? What if this was their way to get her out of office and, and get rid of her? Here's the thing. Let's look at this from multiple angles and understand that even if it was a setup, that doesn't matter. Again, we know that she won the last election, and Democrats tried to steal it after the election and say, "Well, she didn't have enough votes," and then they tallied up all the votes, and yeah, she had all the votes and whatever else. Ask yourself this. What has Lauren Boebert actually done in Congress that's, that's worth anything? Name one thing she's accomplished. And I mean that. I mean, what has she actually accomplished? She hasn't accomplished anything. So she's destroyed her family. She's, taught, she's basically taught her children a very hard lesson in life, which is when you reach a particular age, and you get divorced or you have children or, or whatever the situation may be, some in, in the minds of some women, and the same thing happens with men, but in the minds of some women, a switch gets clicked to where they just become reckless. Again, it stretches back to, do you think that this is appropriate behavior for somebody who's supposed to be representing a state in a war? And the answer is no, it's not. There's a larger point here which has to be made, and this really is the part that grinds my gears. We live in a society that unfortunately does not value ladies, and I'm specifically using the term lady, because when I was growing up, I was surrounded by ladies. I was surrounded by gentlemen also. It was it was a 50-50 split. It was even, right down the middle. We knew who the ladies were because they acted like ladies. We knew who the gentlemen were because they acted like gentlemen. And there is a difference. There's a difference between a lady and a girl. Lauren Boebert is a girl. Okay, and she's, again, acting like a little girl. And she's having, again, like I said, people run cover for her and people make excuses while she's vulnerable and she got drunk, and she's not thinking clearly, and it must be hard on her. Stop it. Everybody's responsible for their own behavior. But the bigger societal problem is the emphasis that people put on vanity and then using that to make money or draw attention to themselves by taking pictures of themselves, putting them online, and thinking that that's attractive. There are endless people, as we know, who do this. We're seeing this on a constant basis. It is thrown in our face constantly. The unfortunate part for all of those participants in that kind of behavior, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever the hell, it almost doesn't matter the platform. What those girls don't understand, regardless of age, is that when they do things like that, many people see it and are instantly turned off by it. Because real gentlemen want to see what, exactly? What are they really interested in seeing? 
Real gentlemen want to see ladies. They don't want to see girls of all different ages acting like girls. They want to see ladies. And real gentlemen and real men long for that. We do. This is one of the things that, again, we like seeing. There's a trend that proves this also. There's a trend that exists, and it, and it occurs on the internet, and again, it, occur, it occurs in the minds of, of real men. But and, and they make memes about this, for God's sakes. I mean, there's endless memes about this, but, and I've brought some of it up in the past. But it's a longing for a time that is long since forgotten. When ladies were ladies, when ladies dressed appropriately, and when gentlemen did the same. You know, there was a time when, again, you wore a suit when you were a man to a baseball game. All the men had suits and hats. They were, you know, you left the house, you dressed up, this is, this is what you did. The same is true with women. Ladies would, again, put on a dress, a long dress, not a Lauren Boebert, you know, I'm 17, going to the prom dress as a 30-some-odd-year-old with, with four kids at home from a divorced dad. Not that, but, you know, a real nice dress. And then go to a baseball game. Same thing with airplanes. Flying on airplanes. It was considered an event to fly on an air, airplane, and, and you dressed up to do that. Now what do you see on airplanes? Airplanes disgust me. I haven't been on a plane since 2019. They're disgusting. And I, I would dress up when I would get on an airplane. I'd either wear a suit or I would dress casually, but I would, I would, I would dress up. What you see now is pajamas. Everybody's wearing their PJs on an airplane. They roll out of bed. They put on their lingerie and they, and they get on an airplane. It's gross. Maybe you saw the clip the other day or heard the clip the other day of, of this. Uh, it's just disgusting. This, <laughs> this girl, this woman, she's clearly a girl, but, you know, from a maturity standpoint, she's a girl, but uh, she's a, she's an older woman. I've got her somewhere in her thirties, maybe even forties. But she's wearing a onesie. It's this one piece thing, and she gets kicked off of a plane for being loud and obnoxious. And she turns and she screams at people and tells people that she's uh, Instagram famous. That everybody can just go to hell because she's Instagram famous. And people start laughing at her. And she starts cursing and whatever else, and then they kick her off the plane. That's not a lady. There's nothing lady about that. That's the kind of problem here that exists in society that is impacting elementary school kids, middle school kids, high school kids, college-aged kids, and then it's impacting older adults also. Again, there's two things you can do on social media. There really are. And it's very difficult to do both because you have to be wired a particular way, I suppose, to do both. But you, you typically have two kinds of people on social media. You have the individuals who are vain, who take pictures of themselves, pictures of their lives, 
and shove that down everyone's face. Again, whether they're wearing clothes or not. All right. And then you have another segment of society on the other end of the spectrum that uses social media as a tool to educate and wake people up in a literal war. Very difficult to do both of those things. Because if you're on the other end of the spectrum and you're using social media to wake people up to a war that is taking place that is killing copious amounts of people, you can't, in the exact same breath, take your clothes off, take selfies of yourself, and then behave in that manner at the exact same time. So what people don't seem to understand, and it's not everybody, I know lots of people understand this, but for the accounts where the people are just taking constant selfies and pictures of themselves being loaded and, uh, and being groped and, and whatever it may be, those people are giving away to everyone who sees it that they are asleep, that they are not awake, that they do not know what's going on. Again, it's impacting elementary school-aged children because they themselves are doing it too. That's not going to have a good impact on them as people, certainly not society as a whole, and it is a lead contributor, in my opinion, to the destruction and lack of interest in a nuclear family. And this is having a massive impact on the birth rate in our country and all around the world. I think that's kind of the larger, the larger picture there, too. Now, what's also interesting is the counter-education to all of that is that there are endless YouTube channels that exist of ladies who speak about the very thing that I just spoke about. And they're actually doing their best to educate as many people as they can, in particular young girls, about the destruction of themselves. In fact, I want to play one little piece of audio here from an individual, and I don't know their entire body of work, so you're going to have to forgive me, but this is a Billy Ray Brandt on YouTube. They apparently have a podcast, they shoot videos, whatever else, and they give, uh, I don't know, all kinds of advice. But this popped up and I thought, well, I'll, I'll play this because she's right. And this makes sense. And it fits in exactly with, with what I'm talking about. So let me play this very quickly and then I'll come in on the other end. But give her a listen. Attention to the ladies out there. Just because he doesn't want you plastered all over the internet with your thong bikinis and nipples out doesn't mean that he's insecure. Insecurity is not men trying to preserve the thing that's supposed to be reserved for them. In fact, it's a very simple request for loyalty and respect. You can tell yourself that these photos are just for you all that you want, but if you think you're going to make any man happy by marketing your sexuality to the rest of the world, you are truly delusional. By the way, who's actually insecure? A man who wants you to demonstrate loyalty and is ready to walk away if you don't? Or the woman who needs validation from more men than just the one she's dating. This isn't about slut shaming. This is about helping you view the things men ask of you through a different lens. I want every woman to be in a happy relationship with beautiful families. And that is why I'm breaking this to you. There's numerous points here. The first is this. Ask yourself regarding, again, your long deceased now ancestors. If you were to tell them of course, they can see everything that's happening and probably shaking their heads in disgust, and rightfully so. 
But if they saw this kind of behavior and the things that are happening in society right now, don't you think that they would agree with what she just said right there? I mean, if we were to explain Instagram and Facebook and all this other selfie talk and and whatever else to, to our ancestors, they would say, why would you do that? Why would you take pictures of yourself and put them on the internet so that other people can see you? I mean, I've written chapters about this subject, specifically when it comes to school-aged children and teachers themselves. In my book, Violence Among Students and School Staff, I very specifically say school teachers have no business being on social media. I never was, and I worked with the ones who were. And they couldn't figure out for the life of them why no one respected them. It wasn't just because they were shitty school teachers or miserable people. It was also because they were putting their entire lives on the internet and talking about it and showing us what their interests are and what they do and who they're making out with and how they dress and what they do in their spare time as if we give a damn. Which then brings in this element. When you do those things, what kind of a person are you attracting? When Lauren Boebert behaves the way that she does, apparently in public, vulnerable or not, everybody's responsible for their own behavior, so vulnerability has nothing to do with it. She's brain dead. The kind of person, though, that you're attracting is not the best kind of person. Again, when you're taking pictures of yourselves like she just said, and you're doing the things that you're doing online that clearly aren't educational, you're not helping anybody. So why are you doing it? Do you think that you're helping yourself? Because that's not happening either. And, And again, it's the dead giveaway that people like this are asleep because they don't know how they look to others. And I fully understand people would say, well, Sean, if you care what other people think, then there's something wrong with you and people shouldn't care what other people think. Yes, but there's a limit to that. Because if you don't care what other people think and you're throwing caution to the wind, you have to understand that to those of us who have morals, values, and are awake, We see that you don't because it's right in front of us. Everybody can see it, and it's embarrassing. So again, you know, there's this other phrase out there which is is trendy, and I I think it's equally as problematic, Uh, and it certainly is something that's been thrown into the vernacular in order to justify that that kind of behavior, reckless behavior. In my opinion, and uh, and again, it's on a lot of social media platforms. But it's when people say this, they'll say this line: "I'm living my best life." Have you ever heard that? You ever heard somebody say that? Way to go! You're living your best life. What the flip does that mean? What does that mean? Again, it's being shown on endless people's. Social media that, again, they're putting out there, bikini pictures, whatever it is, and it's people going, wow, so proud of you. You're living your best life. 
you look like a reckless fool. Lauren Boebert, again, would probably say, whatever, I'm living my best life. No, you left your best life. Your best life was in Colorado, married with children. And you threw it away. For what? Again, look at the kind of person that she attracted. A Democrat gay bar owner who's groping her in public. Now, we've all been to concerts, have we not? Don't you hate the person who stands up when everybody is sitting down at a concert because everybody knows the mood of the music is not for standing up and dancing, but is actually for sitting down and enjoying? You know that person? You know the one I'm talking about? <laughs> that's, that's basically the kind of person I'm also referencing here. I mean, that's problematic for a variety of reasons. It's a lack of awareness. You think you're the only one there. But the much larger, again, you know, I, I know I'm scatterbrained on it, but you get what I'm saying, I think. I think I've made my point. My point is, is that this kind of behavior is being modeled by damaged people who have done it to themselves in large part based on their own decisions, which have been terrible. And they don't understand that when they put themselves out there like that or behave the way that they do, you turn off endless people. Take Matt Gates for example. I brought this up previously a, a while back, beginning of the summer, whenever that stupid Barbie movie came out. He showed up at the Barbie movie, the premiere of that movie, wearing a pink tuxedo, standing next to his wife, who was all dolled up and wearing a short, a short pink dress. And then he justified his participation in that Hollywood event, that pedo-wood event, by saying, hey, look, when your wife wants to go to a Barbie movie, you're not going to say no, or something like that. He was like, well, if I get to see Margot Robbie in a movie, I'm going to say yes. Well, you're disgusting. You're disgusting. In one fell swoop, Matt Gates proved to everybody that he's not focused on the war. Because the war is also with Hollywood. It's with the entertainment business. Also, these people are unaware. These people don't represent us. We are smarter than they are. They represent nothing other than the status quo, claiming to stand up for our rights and yell in a microphone from time to time and point the occasional finger. They don't actually represent us because they apparently don't know what's really going on. So before I just continue to rant about this, and I, I need to stop now, because I think, I think you get my point. My point is, is that all of this is being watched by endless children. It's being watched by endless people. And it really is awful. It is satanic, after all. That was the plan. The plan was to inject society with all of this vanity and this gluttonous behavior and this prideful behavior, all sins, and then, of course, get people to normalize this. Because when you normalize that, you destroy people before they're even born. And then they're born into it because their parents are brainwashed with it. And then look what it does to families down the line. It destroys them. Let me mention a story, true story, quick story. It's sad, I think. Fits right in line with this. I once worked with a woman who will remain unnamed when I was a school teacher. And 
she was one of the uh well i won't even say her position but she was she was how do i describe it um she was in her early 30s when i was in my early 20s i was never interested in this woman she was married at the time and she had two young girls with her husband long story short allegedly the husband cheats on her sleeps with another woman who lived down the street from them uh in the, in their neighborhood and a switch went off in this woman's head and she went from being a wife and a mother and and working in this school to becoming very reckless and we've probably witnessed this kind of behavior in particular among older individuals or certainly people in their 20s or 30s or even 40s and even later where they attempt to go back in time and pretend like they're either in college or in late high school and party it up and do whatever it is that they're doing i remember seeing this woman on a couple of occasions at a couple of social gatherings and thinking to myself why are you not with your children and where are your children because in that moment she was putting her children seemingly last when normally she put them first and i just remember seeing this again watching this from a distance and thinking to myself this is really this is awful this is awful behavior and again she she didn't know and would justify it by saying that probably she didn't care that endless people see that kind of behavior and are instantly turned off by it. In fact, arguably the best kinds of people see that kind of behavior and are turned off by it. Because when she behaved the way that she was behaving in public settings with alcohol and the whole thing, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing and it was sad because I thought to myself, you probably didn't used to be like this. Something has happened, clearly trauma. You've been lied to. You've been, you know, your oath has been broken uh, regarding your marriage. And now what? Now the children have to pay because mom's gone getting loaded someplace. Uh, dad's God knows where. And and what what's in the middle? It's just a sad state of affairs. But if people don't squash it and people don't put an end to these kinds of you know platforms and and this kind of behavior it's just going to get worse and worse and worse what what's nice though is that that audio that i played earlier uh, f- from that from that woman you know again i don't know her whole body of work but there are becoming more people like that online which is a good thing and there are more people speaking out about that kind of behavior and how destructive it is not only to the self, but to the larger picture, which is what sustains our country. Because as you've heard me say before, and I'm not the only person who said it, if you don't have a morally sound people, we have no nation. Our nation ceases to exist if we do not have a morally sound people. But children in today's society are being told to be immoral, that all of these behaviors are normal, and if everybody's doing it, so they think, well, then you can do it too, and what's the harm? It ruins people's lives. 
ruins them. And it's, again, it's sad. But we have to put an end to it somehow. People have to learn a better way. And people can always change. They can always improve. This is not, you know, it's not, uh, it's not permanent. These kinds of negative behaviors are not permanent. Which leads me to this, actually. I'm going to change gears now, but this right here is part of the problem too, is it not? I came across this article, I laughed, and then I went, oh, I can't believe it. But I can believe it because, again, this is part of the state of affairs. This is from a website called tackymag.com. They say this, The mostly Mozart festival has been canceled by New York's Lincoln Center. After 50-odd years, because of rising disdain for quote-unquote elitism and exclusivity, instead, quote, the Criminal Queerness Festival, as it's called, is geared toward, quote, neurodiverse audiences and the world's first LGBTQI mariachi group. Welcome Cardi B, Pusha T, and Snoop Dogg. So long and goodbye, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. See what I mean? See what I mean? It's everywhere. And you know this. This kind of stuff is everywhere. I saw the other day there's another city that is attempting to remove all statues and all likenesses of George Washington and and Christopher Columbus at the exact same time. It's that old yarn all over again. All of this, ladies and gentlemen, is satanic, and it's being carried out by Satanists, by godless people. The rewriting of history, the elimination of our history, the elimination of people, so that more people can stare into their cell phones and be reckless in public and not have a clue as to what's going on. Mass confusion is satanic. In that same vein, here's this. This is from notthebee.com. This Canadian high school, it's titled, is removing books published before 2008 in an effort to be more inclusive. Now, I've covered this on the show before, but a lot of these school libraries and school districts are engaging in what they call their uh, inclusive audits or their library audits. And what they're doing, of course, is they're going through these libraries and they're eliminating nonfiction books from a historic perspective and making sure that they have the gayest stuff that you can possibly imagine exist. But it's not just that. It's not just gay books that they want on the shelves. It's anything that is fiction. The more fictitious it is, the better. You know, this was one of those things, again, that I witnessed as a school teacher, and it really uh, bothered me. And that's putting it mildly. I was a school teacher during the whole Twilight series. You remember that? Those teenage vampires, and they all get together, and oh, it's a love story, and blah, blah, blah. I would watch these middle school students walking around with this with these Twilight books. And... uh I mean, it's as thick as as, an, as a biography on Ulysses S. Grant. These are not small books. It's as thick as Mein Kampf. And I'm saying to myself, why in God's name are you reading that? The time and energy that it takes to read something that doesn't matter 
when you could be reading about the very world you live in and the schemes that are at play to eliminate you from the world. I mean, it, it blew me away. And this was a comment, oddly enough, that even other school teachers were making, which I thought was hilarious. They were saying, they'll read a Twilight book, but they won't read the content from my class that will give them an A. And the content that I give them for the entire course is way less than the length of a Twilight book. But again, it's peer pressure. It's direct and indirect peer pressure. They see it. They do it. They hear about it. They do it. Oh, you're doing it? Then I'll do it. It's the same kind of stuff. And that, of course, leads to the online behavior that is so prevalent in everything else. I know, I know I'm not the only person to bring this up. I know this has been, you know, railed on at length, but it's disgusting. And of course, we, we, we fully understand that schools themselves are always participating in this kind of behavior, and they're doing whatever they can to hedge their bets. In fact, they're doing so at the, uh, at the legislative level regarding law. In fact, this was just sent to me, just emailed to me by, again, our, our Michigan business owner friend. And they said that they copied this from Substack, and this has to do with Maine schools. Listen to this. It says uh, LD394, which is, which is apparently a bill that just got passed, which is also known as Chapter 117, which was passed by Maine Democrats in Maine provides school counselors and social workers the ability to sexually transition their child without you, the parent, knowing. They can now legally keep secret from you. This information, apparently, takes away your parental rights. Then there's LD-535, passed by Maine Democrats, allows 16-year-old children to self-affirm their need for chemical castration drugs and pharmaceutical mutilation. It takes away your parental rights. And then there's LD1735, still waiting for Maine Democrats to push out next session, as currently written, allows any minor child at any age to define their own mental health issues and prescribe themselves body mutilation. It will take away your parental rights. Now, you know my answer now for all parents who send their children to K-12 private, public, or charter schools in the state of Maine. What's the one thing they should all do now? I don't even think I have to answer that. I think you know. They have no choice now. See, what, see what's happening here? They're, they're pushing people to do the thing that they could do on their own if they just left on their own accord. But now the legislature is pushing them to do it. And they're screaming and yelling because they still want their slavery. Don't do this in our schools. We need our schools. No, you don't. You don't need anything. You need to leave. That's the only thing that has to happen in such a situation. You need to leave. Okay. Thanks for listening to all of that. I'm shifting gears now. Uh, here's the email that I got from Mark Steele. He said the following. He said, hi, Sean. They are testing the trigger for Neuralink to see how many will comply with the uplink, testing the water. The test in the UK was not what they predicted, 
but I always thought it was a false flag so that when they pull the actual trigger, they will catch most people off guard. The LED 550 nanometer 1 hertz is the Neuralink release. That is going to be the real attack from the PCR hydrogel nanotube contamination. Mark, unquote. That, of course, has everything to do with the EBS system and the 5G. And I think he's right, without a doubt. I don't disagree with him, have no reason to disagree with him. Uh, testing, testing this to see how well it works among the jabbed seems like a viable explanation because, again, I don't think that they always need both of these things, and by things I mean the nanotech jabs and the 5G working together in order to kill people. They know that they can do it with both of those things individually within society. They've introduced the shots, and look what they're doing with the shots. They're getting as many people to take them as they possibly can by cramming it down everybody's throats, by stirring up fear, panic, and then creating more shots to be available. They're telling people again, like I said in the last episode, make sure and take your COVID and flu shot at the same time. What could possibly go wrong? So they're killing people with these devices individually. You can kill someone with 5G individually. You crank that bastard up to 11 and uh, a person will fry from the inside out and, and tip over. As we've seen on you know, numerous footage from, from Wuhan, China back in the old day. Which again, the, the bioweapons that have been created for all of this, of course, also came out of Ukraine. But I don't think they actually need both working simultaneously in, in conjunction with one another in order to be effective and, of course, kill off copious amounts of people. We know that they're working individually, but yeah, if there was a collective aspect, which we know that there is, they're testing that right now. And they're going to test it on October 4th and see if it has the desired impact. And as I said in the substack, you know, you got you to gotta pay attention. So what's going to happen with these individuals after October 4th? Is that when the illness is going to kick into overdrive? I think we're going to, we're going to see that. We're certainly going to be able to tell whether or not that's the case or not. So there you go. Directly from Mark Steele himself. Again, they ran an EBS system in Europe, and you just heard it from him. He said he didn't think that it had the, had the desired impact that they wanted. Again, he even says this technology is is faulty to some extent, but they got to they got to test it out. They got to try it on people and normalize that. So there you go. Okay, moving on here. Certainly jab related things. Uh, we'll put this in the category of more news from AARP and them wanting to kill us because apparently that's their that's their slogan. Welcome to AARP, where we want everybody dead. This was tossed to me from a listener of the show. It was updated on September 14th. Uh, thank you for sending it my way. This is titled, Eight Vaccines You Need After 50. Check out this list of what and when. I'm just going to scroll down to the list here and let you know what poisons they want you to have. Number one, influenza vaccine. Who needs it? All adults, no matter the age. And then it says, how often? Once a year. Excellent. No thank you. The next one, the COVID-19 vaccine. Who needs it? 
It's recommended for everyone six months and older, and especially for people 50 and older who are considered to be in, at increased risk for complications from the coronavirus infection. And how often, how often do people need this bioweapon poison? Health officials haven't set a schedule for COVID-19 vaccines, but it's likely the shot will become an annual one for many, much like the flu vaccine. For now, the advice from health experts is to stay up to date, quote unquote, on your vaccines. Updated COVID-19 shots were recently approved and are now available in your doctor's offices and pharmacies throughout the country. Uh, number three, RSV vaccine. Who needs it? Adults 60 and older should talk to their doctor to see if this new vaccine, which protects against respiratory syncytial virus, is a good option for them. And how often do they need it? It says, for now, you need to get it only once. However, the RSV vaccine is new this year, so recommendations could change. No thank you. Number four, the pneumococcal vaccine. Who needs it? Healthy adults 65 and older or adults 19 to 64 years of age with certain risk factors. Smoking or health problems such as chronic lung or heart disease, leukemia, lymphoma, or alcoholism. Alcoholism. Pneumococcal vaccine if you're an alcoholic. Huh. That's a new one. Number five. Tdap vaccine, tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis, none of which exist. Who needs it? They say that, let me see here, blah, blah, blah. It came out in 2005 and protects against tetanus, so they say, and diphtheria, so they say. Like the vaccine it replaced, it includes additional protection against whooping cough, also known as pertussis. Okay. Uh, let's see. Every 10 years, apparently, so they say. No, thank you. I'm fine. Number six, shingles vaccine. Who needs it? Everyone 50 and older. And how often should you get it? It comes in two doses spaced two to six months apart. Yes, because that means it's good for you. You know, just like the COVID shot. Number seven, hepatitis A vaccine. Who needs it? People 50 and older. How often? Once. But it's given as two doses over the course of six months, apparently. And then finally, the hepatitis B shot. Adults over 50 who are at risk from contracting hepatitis B, a liver infection. How often adults getting the vaccine need three doses. The second dose given four weeks after the first. The third dose five months after the second. No thanks. We're good. I think we're good. Ugh. Unbelievable. There's also this too. I mentioned it in the last episode. The I'm gonna, of course, butcher the pronunciation of this. The old Nipah virus, if that's what it's called, N I P A H. There's no virus. It's just poison that they suck out of a dead animal, and then they just inject it into people. And then you know those people just run around and congregate with other people and shed on them, and then you get a different kind of symptom. Although it's pretty typical with all the other ones. But uh, yeah, the zoonotic virus known as the Nipah virus, or NIV, can seriously ill humans. 
Although it can spread from person to person, it is primarily spread from animals to people. Nonsense. Like I said, it's not spread from animals to people. It's spread from dead animals being captured or scooped up in a shovel, and then somebody crams a syringe into the dead animal, sucks it out, and then puts it in a Petri dish with a bunch of other poisons, and then they turn it into a vaccine. And then people take it, and then they get sick, and they get poisoned, and they wonder why. We got it. We, we understand what's going on. Let me read these headlines now. This is from Dr. Mackis's uh, Substack page here. He's got a bunch of things. There was this audio, too, which is really interesting. I'll put some of it uh, in the next war video. But there were some doctors that were addressing the South Carolina Senate on what these shots are doing to people and what is in them and what they believe to be in them. It's really interesting to watch these politicians have these medical doctors speak to them about the very thing that they refused to keep people away from as politicians and that they themselves have probably taken. I mean, the looks on some of their faces is priceless, but uh, yeah. So there's a lot of that audio that's out there is the point. Uh, Here's another one. Flight attendants suffering COVID-19 vaccine injuries and sudden deaths. Guillain-Barre syndrome, stillbirths, turbo cancers, SADS, dying in flight, dying in sleep, 15 flight attendant stories. And he lists a great deal of them here. Uh, Yeah, again, I'm not a paid subscriber, so I don't have access to all of them. Here's another one. mRNA injury series, alopecia alopecia areata, after the Pfizer-Moderna COVID-19 mRNA vaccines, 12 cases examined. Pfizer developing a new drug to treat the alopecia it caused. Interesting. See, this is these pictures are disturbing. This right here again is radiation poisoning. That's essentially what what this is. It's complete and utter hair loss. It's not hair loss as a result of stress. This is hair loss because the person is dying from a biological weapon. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And I'll tell you what, I'm I'm going to end I'm going to end with this, kind of a shorter episode here today, but I'm going to end with this. You've heard me talk consistently about how there of course is this jab awakening spectrum and just this jab spectrum and numerous notches within that spectrum based on people's particular situations, what they're witnessing, what they're experiencing, and then again, where they sit on the whole jab issue. Did they take it? Did they not take it? You know, are they waking up or aren't they? There was this post on Great Awakening, which I have to read. It's incredible and it's heartbreaking at the same time because this is a jabbed individual, but they are awake as to what is going on. Um, I'm just going to read it and here we go. It says the following quote A confession from a scared, jabbed idiot. They said, quote, before I found this place, I was one of the sheep that got the bullshit vax to save a job that I no longer work for. I worked for a large government contractor that mandated that we get the jab or be fired. We had until December 13th of 2021 to get it, or we were instantly fired. I waited until November 29th, the last day we could get it, because... They didn't have any appointments in December. December 7th rolls around, 
and we all get an email that no one is required to get the jab any longer. Our CEO is forced to step down due to union demands, etc. Awful. Seems like a lawsuit. Seems like a criminal act, does it not? They continued, three months later, I get the coof, likely brought on by the shot, and it damn near kills me. I slept for 90 hours straight, pissed on myself, couldn't eat, could only drink fluids, sort of like your typical Irish drunkard, nice one, recovered from that, and ordered ivermectin, have been taking that and zinc ever since, have had no issues. Left the doctor's office today. Blood pressure is 187 over 107. I'm 6'4", 238 pounds. I shouldn't have blood pressure like this. I eat healthy and exercise almost daily. Blood looks like something out of a horror movie, like peanut butter. Doesn't look healthy at all. I know it is likely too late to ask you guys, but does anyone have any idea what I can do other than taking the ivermectin to try to reverse this. I've been on battlefields that didn't scare me as much as the thought of leaving my two young kids behind. I think that the clot shot is going to kill me, and I will just end up another statistic of a fucked government. Shaming me isn't going to help because at the end of the day, I know I fucked up. I was weak. And instead of sticking it out, I got the J&J. I know a lot of you are going to call me a dumbass, but I am truly looking for suggestions. Thanks, frogs. I don't know what I want to accomplish with this post. I just felt I needed to get it off my chest. Hopefully you guys and girls have some ideas. Unquote. Beyond heartbreaking. Um, let me get into the comments section here because a lot of people are making a ton of suggestions. They, of course, mention the Zelenko protocol. Uh, they also say natokinase. You scroll down a little bit further. They give out some, uh, some specifics here. Let's see. It says natokinase, 2,000 FIBRIN units or 100 milligrams orally twice a day without food. Bromelain. 500 milligrams orally once a day without food. Curcumin, 400, uh, I'm sorry, 500 milligrams again, orally twice a day. And uh, yeah, continue to pray, they say. Again, a lot of people say NAC, of course, as well. You know, there's, there's a lot of different things, I think, that are certainly alleviating some of the symptoms. But uh, I don't know what you do regarding thick blood like that. Again, somebody said drink lots of clean water, coffee, things of that nature. Uh, yeah. Dandelion tea, pine needle tea. There's, they're, they're linking a lot, and they're helping this person or attempting to help this person, which is good. So lots of comments on it, but there you go. In fact, I'll, I'll end with this. This just happened, too. I mentioned it previously, I think, last week, but the United Nations of course, based in New York, just had, uh, they just wrapped up their little Sustainable Development Goals Summit, or so they call that anyway, uh, which took place over these last two days of September 18th and 19th. 
And as we know, it's basically them just meeting so that they can talk about how they're going to kill us and flood our country with Africans and sand wizards. And that's continuing to be the case. I don't know if you're seeing this footage or not, but it's beyond horrific. Endless attacks occurring in, uh, in European countries. Of course, it happens here too. But it's happening all over the place. Uh, these individuals are coming here, they're getting weapons, and then they're attacking your average citizen who's just walking down the street. And it's, uh, it's complete and utter chaos. All in the name of equity, ladies and gentlemen. It's all because of equity. We need to be equitable. No, we don't. We need to start putting these people down. And foreign countries and citizens in foreign countries need to start putting these people down because the police are being attacked and the police aren't doing anything either. So, again, here's all of their nonsense goals and all the things that they said in this particular conference. Just going to read some headlines here. Building a human rights economy. So they say that, of course, means destroying businesses, as we know, and, uh, and squeezing out the middle class and the working class and uh, creating slaves. Placing human rights at the heart of care and support systems. Do what we say or else. Here's another one. Creating a more equitable international financial architecture. Right. Digital ID. Got it. Enhancing environmental action, in particular climate action. More lies, more of the climate change lies. Anchoring, leaving no one behind, quote unquote, implementation in equality and non discrimination. Leaving no one behind. That's right. Again, flooding our country with foreigners who want to kill us. They go on, of course, and say, Achieving gender equality and women's empowerment is not optional. Well, great. Great. We know you're cramming that, uh, that propaganda down the throats of endless women, as I said earlier. And it's working, unfortunately, certainly for many. Empowering people as active agents of sustainable development. That's their last one, apparently. And we know what that means, too. It means making sure that they continue to brainwash younger generations into believing all of this nonsense so that they can continue to say it at the top of their lungs wherever they are and brainwash the masses because, again, you need the brainwashed in order to do the brainwashing. Thank you for listening, everybody. I appreciate it, and I will catch you on Friday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.